I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm KSL's Debbie Worthen. Four years ago, my son Asher was diagnosed with autism. After getting our footing, we decided it was time to celebrate the news with all of you. And that's how Celebrating the Spectrum was born. Each week, we consult with the experts and others who are learning to navigate life with a loved one who has special needs. This is a place where we find hope, look for solutions, and connect with those working to create a better world of inclusion. Thanks for joining us for our very first episode of Celebrating the Spectrum. I'm Debbie Worthen. I have my husband, Brandon, with me here. And many of you may know me from my work on KSL TV. And I know that many of you were along for the journey when Brandon and I adopted our son, Asher, six years ago. So it's been a crazy road, hasn't it? It has been. Yeah, crazy. And thanks for having me. Thanks for being in. Good to be a guest here. So, (laughs) no, just really excited for the opportunity of this, you know, podcast and also for what we're going to gain as well, the knowledge of who you're going to be able to talk to and just, you know, the more knowledge, the better in in this area. So always learning. Yes. So thank you. So Asher, our son was diagnosed with autism right after he turned two. And he is the reason for this podcast. (laughs) We will say that. So we wanted to kick off our podcast with some background on why we decided to do this. And we'll take you back a few years. So we became a licensed foster family in 2015. Asher was our second placement. He was he was born in November and we met him in February. So he'd had a rough start to life when we picked him up from the Christmas box house. He was three months old. He'd been completely neglected before ultimately being abandoned at the homeless shelter. His birth parents were addicts. And we we will never know the full extent of the drug use in utero, but we can assume it was a common occurrence. And while there is no one reason that someone ends up with autism, we have read some studies that there are times when it's because of um, trauma in utero. And so that may that may or may not be. Uh, the reason Asher ended up with autism. But within a few weeks of us getting him, because he didn't make a sound when we first got him for a couple of weeks. Just silent, no eye contact. Right, right. Just a little shell of a child. It was so sad. sad. It was. In fact, I don't even like looking at those pictures from him in the hospital. I know. We'd look back at, I mean, the one in the hospital before he came to us. Yeah. But even some of our first few days pictures, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't even seem like the same child. Yeah. Just because of... Obviously, the neglect yeah, yeah, that I know. He, was, he was suffering from. I know. The power of love. We've talked about that a lot, and yes. it sounds so cheesy, nope. but it's actually true. It does, but I, I mean, we as human beings, we need to be loved, yeah. and it has a huge impact on you know, us, our psychology. Yeah, so. yeah, right. So within a few weeks, and, and we talk about this, how we started to find his voice. And it was so cute. And then, you know, we renamed him, which a lot of foster families who end up adopting kids, they will change the name, especially when it's a baby and they, you know, they weren't used to having another name. So we threw around a ton of names. And what's really crazy when you have a foster baby that you know you're going to be adopting is you just start trying out names. Yes. Just seeing if they fit or seeing if you end up liking them. I thought that's funny looking back. Yeah. Trying them out. Um, I mean, I guess it's not so odd now when you hear of 
people that have their biological kids and like leave the hospital like we haven't named it yet we're gonna figure it out i kind of get it now you know (laughs) see what fits but also um yeah it's just the name as you're gonna elaborate to and here is just so so fitting fitting. for him yeah no it is um but I, i think that what's funny is you think you like a certain name But then with a foster baby that you've had in your house for months, you know their personality more. Yes. So then you're like, oh, that actually doesn't fit their personality. Or, no, I like that name, but that's just not the one. It's harder because you know them so well. Yeah. And you can't go with the funny thing is we've, I don't know, funny, but the name that some of the children in our home have had as in the foster stage Mm -hmm. is Baby. You know, they're called baby, you know. Yeah. Our daughter that we adopted, she was 27 months. We literally called her baby for two years. Yeah, and I think it's still, and I mean, that's probably why we still refer to the two youngest, which are, you know, approaching seven, you and know, five. in the fall and five. And what are the babies up to? What are the babies? And, and now like, they get mad. They're to- like, we're not babies. Yes. So anyway, the name Asher in part means the happy one. And that's why we chose that name. And so we, it just totally fits him. And still, he just has a great little demeanor. So it was at his two-year-old well visit that our pediatrician told us that he was showing signs of autism. So do you want to talk about that day a little bit, Brandon? Sure. Um, so just, you know, first off, what kind of comes to comes to mind is, you know, just throwing out some, some feelings there, helpless, scared, protective, clueless, mm-hmm. what now? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's scary, and I don't say that in a bad way. Mm-hmm. It's just there's so much unknown. Mm-hmm. And well, when the you, when, education, yeah. we have no idea of what we're supposed to – what do we do with this? You know, And the thing, though, that as I look back on that day and I felt it you know, that day in the, the week following that, it just reaffirmed for me in my heart mm-hmm. that is the reason that Asher was directed to us. Right. And, like, we were directed to – I mean, we'd never even talked about – fostering kids or Mm -hmm. fostering to adopt i mean it came up pretty late in the marriage yeah we've been married 22 late in the marriage and it just reaffirmed this is you know this is why and really because of those tough circumstances Mm -hmm. he came out of i can't imagine what he would have been facing right with the you know with his diagnosis Mm -hmm. and And maybe never would have gotten it yes really you know so Mm -hmm. just it reaffirmed for me that he is Meant to be with us. Right, right. So what that day that we got the, and it, it wasn't like the official diagnosis because we hadn't gone through a bunch of tests, but our, our pediatrician was like, looks like he has, has autism. Here's this pamphlet. So <laughs> first of all, I was like shell-shocked. I mean, really, it's like a punch in the gut. And I won't call it a devastating blow because I feel like that's too strong. It's not, he didn't have a terminal illness. He wasn't going to die. He, you know, it, it changed nothing about him as our child. Exactly. And I think that's really important for people because you hear that, you hear autism. And I mean, you just, your mind goes all these different places like, oh, this wasn't, this wasn't the life that I pictured for him, which as parents, we have to like pivot our mindset all the time with stuff like that. But I'll tell you, when we got that pamphlet, I immediately started like making calls, calling every number in that pamphlet. And what was horrible is every number was pretty much wrong. Like they said, oh, have you called your school district for early intervention? And I'm like, well, he's not in school. He's two. But we didn't know. That early intervention started it too. Like, how would we even know that? You know, so I felt like a total idiot. Like, oh, well, you could have had him in therapy at two years old. And then, um, you know, I just start making this list of calls because you, 
they tell you, oh, you got to get some other tests done so he'll qualify for services with insurance. But it was just this big enigma, just this big cloud of unknown. We don't know who to call. We don't know what to do. And so finally, one of those calls, which really stands out to me, is um, I can't even remember which place it was, but I called and I was like, hey, my son, the pediatrician said my son has autism. And I need to, you know, do whatever. And she's like, oh, okay, well, tell me, tell me what's going on. She's like, okay, well, this is actually not where you're supposed to call. She's like, but I can tell you this. Here's what you actually need to do. (laughs) You need to call this place. And I would suggest doing it through, you know, such and such, because this is the gold standard. This is how you'll get the best care, the best coverage, um, an accurate diagnosis. And then I remember saying to her, and I was getting teary when I said this, and I said, now can you just tell me not to be scared? Yeah. And oh my gosh, I tear up even now because it was so daunting. And you just know, like, I need to give my son every resource available to him. And I don't even know what I'm dealing with. I don't, I don't know. Are we going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? And she said, she's like, you know what? This is your diagnosis and you can tell as many or as few people as you want. And I actually thought that was pretty profound when she said that. Yeah. Yeah. So over the next few months, we were introduced to some pretty amazing people. And and let's let's talk quickly about um, those those months leading into that. So so we go and we get the diagnosis. And and so he ends up at Pingree, the Pingree Autism Center. And when when we finally got like the official. Oh, yes, we are. We are diagnosing him as autism. Because, you know, we'd heard. Yes. (laughs) How did you feel that day? I mean, I I specifically remember for me, like when they when they told me that, like, oh, yes, we've we've evaluated him. We've gone over these dozens of of papers that you've filled out. We've watched him. and, And I remember getting emotional, but it was more of a huge sense of relief because it was all of a sudden like, okay, now we get some help. Yeah. And same thing, sense of relief of like we know, mm-hmm. you know, there's the official diagnosis. Right. But I mean, also just to, so many emotions, you know, going through you knowing that the pediatrician was right, like her mm-hmm. instincts of what she thought right, was right. right. Um, so, I mean, a lot of things raced through, you know, through my head. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I thought of. Honestly, being someone that grew up playing sports and being a big part of my life, I, you know, I thought, is he going to, you know, he's, he's the only boy in our house, right. you know, and I mean, we have athletic girls, right? you know, but it was just that thought of immediate thought of, is he going to play sports? Is he going to, mm-hmm. you know, like sports? Can he play sports and all that kind of stuff? And I, I look back now and like, I'm almost like, well, that was shallow for me to think <laughs> that way, but that was just my thought in the moment. But, you know? but as a dad, I think that, and I won't say every dad, but I say many dads want that son to do all of the things that you're talking about, to play catch, to play football, because you played football in high school and loved it. And it was a huge part of your identity. And to do all of those things that that's just what you had pictured when when we adopted Asher. Yeah. And now who he is today and mm-hmm. this journey we've been along, like... I wouldn't change anything. Right. Like he is, I mean, so awesome (laughs) to put it that way. But his personality, what he does for our home, Mm -hmm. you know, just everybody is different because of him. The way we react to stuff, the way we interact with each other is is because of what he brings to our home. Like it is, it truly is special. And it's, I mean, I'll use it, it's a blessing. It truly is a blessing to have 
him in our home. Right, right. Yeah, we joke because our, our house just now looks like a crafting bomb went off every single day. And it, it starts, I mean, a lot of autistic kids get up far before the crack of dawn. Now, since it's summer, it's about crack of dawn. But he, he starts on those projects and tornadoes right out of the gate, doesn't he? He does. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's something that, yeah, I got to devote some time every day to, <laughs> to after he up. goes to bed to cleaning up the house. But, like, what a great place to focus time and energy. Mm-hmm. And it's so amazing what he comes up with and creates. Like if someone told me, create this with paper, a glue stick, staples, <laughs> uh, pipe cleaners, right, you know, right. all that stuff, yeah. I would never be able to create what he does. Right. I mean, he comes and shows you and you're like, the like, level wow. of detail is yeah. insane right now in what you've created. So, yeah. um, anyhow. And the costumes. Yes. The costumes are, are pretty intense as well. Yeah, there are a lot. Our home... <laughs> We play along as much as we can, but Asher is 98% of the time in character as someone. Right. And what I love about it, some of them are like costumes that we've actually purchased. Like, oh, this is an Aladdin costume. But most of them are just, you know, makeshift. Like he's put them together. Like, for example, even Aladdin, he has the real life Aladdin and then he has the cartoon Aladdin and then he has Prince Ali. And they're all different. One of them has a shirt under it. One of them has no shirt. One has jeans. One has the yellow satin pants. Yes. No, it's it is so fun. And then, yeah, his made up ones are the ones that crack me up. Right. Because like right now, he loves tornadoes. Right. Loves. I mean, that is an understatement. Yeah, that is an understatement. That's he. I mean, tons of knowledge. He's passionate about Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, a few weeks ago, he comes out in jeans and a polo or a button-up shirt or whatever and come to find out he's bill from twister right you know so we've all we've also realized twister has some um inappropriate inappropriate language language, (laughs) as we found out that he he blurted out at school it was from the era of (laughs) you know there's a gray area of like pg r all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah so there's a few Words that he now knows you don't say, right. and he understands it. Right. So, yeah, anyhow. but it's it's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right. So he started at Pingree. Pingree changed our life, and and that was um, one of the things where it was just like, oh, okay, this is this is amazing. The therapy, everything that is available to the autistic people in our life, and this, and even as we go, this has really evolved because I will tell you when we were at Pingree. And, and he was a pingree for four years. He just barely transitioned out. We were just living in this ignorant bliss, weren't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and we had heard we had heard people, you know, like talking about the public school system and, and kids with special needs and some autism and some Down syndrome and, and a, a myriad of other uh, neurodiverse kids. And I really was so naive just thinking, you know, I just don't believe what you're telling us about the resources. I just actually don't believe it. And I didn't. (laughs) I just thought you're just not looking hard enough or you're not asking the right questions or you're just expecting the school to raise your kids. Did you think that or was that just me? I mean, that does sound really judgy now, but I truly thought as I heard parents tell me, they're just, you know, they're not, their kids aren't being served well in the school district or the schools in general. I just thought this actually can't be true. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I don't know truly what I thought. I'm like, well, maybe you it know, didn't even really occur to you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it occurred or, you know, we all have those people where 
yeah, their kid's struggling, but their kid might be the problem, you know, <laughs> as far as behavior, right, all that kind right. of good stuff. So, yeah, kind of a lot of unknowns. But um, Pingree, mm-hmm. so the Carmen B. Pingree Center of Autism Learning, yeah. I believe is its right, official name. Right. Super, I mean, cool to have that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and what a blessing to have that here in Utah. They're, I mean, they're renowned not only on like a state level a national level, but like an international level. Yeah, and and we we talk about Pingree just like it's the sacred place, Pingree, because they are just angels that work with those kids. And and we, number one, we could not believe the immediate difference we saw once Asher was in therapy. And that that's why another thing, you know, and we talk all the time because everyone knows that family that has someone in their family that is autistic and they're just in complete denial. And, yes. and and everyone else knows it. All the friends know it. All the neighbors know it's like, oh, so-and-so, their kid is autistic. And the parents just like in complete denial. And we just can't believe what a disservice that is to not just the child, but to the family. I mean, really, when he started, and I mean, Brandon, think about this. Like, this was, you know, four years ago. Remember how he kind of had that high-pitched scream because he, he couldn't communicate yet? I mean, it was just, and we were losing our minds. Yeah. No, it's, un yeah. Unbelievable how quickly we saw changes, and they're obviously skilled where we're not skilled yeah. in knowing what these children need. Um, and, and, and like when your kid is two, three years old and has autism, you are just so clueless. You are just a, a typical kid. You're learning as you go. This steps it up. Yeah, and that's what I used to. I mean, say when we'd have you know monthly meetings uh, with Pingree, mm-hmm. which is awesome. You right. know, just based on therapy and. Um, giving us tools and all that kind of stuff. But it was like, they would ask me questions, but I'm like, I don't know. It's actually been a long time since I've had a two or three year old, you know, (laughs) there's a big gap in our children's age, but it's like, is this, I feel like this is what a three year old would be doing anyways. Yeah. You know, so it's sometimes I think it's hard to, hard to distinguish, you know, some of the stuff at that very young age, but also so great that he was diagnosed at the age he was. Mm -hmm. And, started therapy really at two and a half years old right. to start shaping his mind in a right. sense. Yeah. So in areas that we're obviously not skilled in. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And, and you hear so much about early intervention, how the brain is still so malleable when kids are one, two years old, that you can literally reshape the chemistry of the brain by all of this amazing therapy. And, you know, it remains to be seen what the future holds for Asher and, and for all of us really. But wow, it, it'd be hard to argue that that wasn't happening on a daily basis at Pingree when he was there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then Pingree, I mean, the the neat thing about it is like kind of it's the background is the Pingree family. Yeah, Carmen. Had, mm-hmm. Yeah, had an autistic child. And this right. dates back to the late 70s. Right. And they quickly found out there weren't any resources. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think about it just from our time and generation. Like it's just recently, you know, becoming – very known, yeah. you know, the diagnosis mm-hmm. and... Well, especially um, in Utah. I, I yeah. mean, worldwide, it's one in 44 kids is diagnosed with autism. And, you know, we've heard forever that it's higher here in Utah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, again, Pingree, I mean, we talk about it, we love Pingree. Right, we do. So, I mean, but <laughs> they have... This is not an ad or yeah. and it's not sponsored. We just yes. love them. <laughs> I mean, they're, I mean, some of the stuff they're doing, they're, they're partnered with... You know, the University of Utah, mm-hmm. where they're constantly collecting data and right. they have researchers working on stuff. Um, and then they also have partnerships that I found out with 
Stanford University, with mm-hmm. UCLA, Utah State. So just such a great resource and basically getting knowledge from others and sharing knowledge of what they're finding right. just to help this cause. It's it's so funny. You feel – I've talked about it and I was talking to my mom the other day and it's like if it feels like it's a U.S. Um, issue. Issue, mm-hmm. you know, but no, it's it's global, right? You know, it's yeah. it's not tied to any demographic, it's any kids geographic, yes. anywhere. So <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyhow, yeah, it's it's and it's not me- going away. No, you know that's the thing too. It's not going away, and and we've talked tons of times about the era that we're living in now. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about how we feel about that, and then the reason we chose the name "Celebrating the Spectrum." A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. chose the name Celebrating the Spectrum actually sort of evolved. So when we started talking about launching a podcast, uh, we were throwing a bunch of names around and we really wanted it to capture the true feeling of how we feel about autism. And we also don't want to just focus on autism in this podcast. We we're going to talk about special needs of people, you know, in, in every single area. And so we thought, well, Spectrum does have that autism link you know mm-hmm. and then but the spectrum of special needs yes and then there is a another podcast that you and i really have loved and and um we've it's just resonated with us on so many levels and the the woman that is uh hosts that podcast her adult daughter is autistic and she was interviewing her for one of the first episodes and and her daughter said you know people ask me if i could take a pill that would you know quote cure my autism would I do that and she said no because that would change everything unique and cool about me and didn't that just give you so much hope when you heard that yeah hope I mean it almost you know you saying it again it almost you know chokes me up Mm -hmm. just because again there's so much unknown right you know of the future um will Asher fall in love will Mm -hmm. Asher get married will Asher have children and not that that defines anybody right but um, but these are things you want for your child because you feel like those are things that bring happiness in life. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, but just again, that, you know, podcast that I stumbled upon, right? you know, and then listened to it. And then again, just this adult daughter who's yeah. just thriving in mm-hmm. life and really, you know, you wouldn't have any inkling as to what's going on, right. you know. Now, once, you know, this is my daughter, she has autism, you mm-hmm. pick up on some right, stuff, for you know, sure. mm-hmm. but... Yeah, just a really 
uh, kind of eye-opening and encouraging right. um, podcast that we were, you know, that we were able to listen to and gain a lot from. No, no. Right, right. So we were thinking all these different, you know, terms and what really encapsulates what we want to do. And it's like, no, this is something to be celebrated. And you just talked a few minutes ago about what Asher has brought to our house and he's changed us all, mm-hmm. you know, and... Oh, are we going to cry every week on this? This is going to be dumb. <laughs> uh, but just how amazing, you know, his little personality and everything that he has brought to our house has has been incredible. All right. So, you know, we talked about Pingree, which was so wonderful. Well, last year, Pingree's like, you know, he's outgrown Pingree. And which he- is good news. <laughs> I'm like, we didn't want to get kicked out. They're like, you're yeah. looking at this the wrong way. Yes. I mean, this really is, you know, he needs to transition to a typical classroom to get social modeling from typical peers because, you know, his therapist said, you know, and I'm I'm not one of those parents is like, oh, my child is a genius. But when you have a child with special needs, when, you know, they miss so many milestones that when yeah. they just fly past one, it just is huge. So she said, you know, academically, he's 12, but socially he's two. Yeah. So like anything that would happen in a, you know, in a traditional classroom right now, it doesn't really matter if he does his writing, if he does his reading, if he does all this, because he's doing that without even being taught. What he needs is that social modeling from the typical peers. So um, so this is where things really started to get interesting. <laughs> is that yeah. the right word? No. Yeah. Interesting and scary. Discouraging. I mean, to be honest. Frustrating. We had. I mean, I feel like we're involved mm-hmm. parents yeah you know and doing especially you doing a ton of research and always looking for opportunities and then i do what you tell me so i i carry those on um but i mean it was we leaned on pingree so much well we lived in ignorant bliss with pingree. yes mm-hmm. and it wasn't like just daycare mm-hmm. it was changing his life yeah and, and we ours. saw yes and we saw so many milestones achieved there and then all of a sudden Again, it was good news. Like that's mm-hmm. what you want to hear. You want to, but it was <laughs> in like theory. in theory. You want to hear that. I mean, it's just like we were. They were saying at this date, you know, we're gonna. It's gonna be his last day, and mm-hmm. we were. To me, I had so much anxiety. Oh, over so much that. anxiety. I know. So, so you know, he'd gone from well, and so he was diagnosed at two. So at two and a half, and think how tiny your little two and a half year old. And he's big for his age, but he was still tiny. Yes, we're putting him on a bus. To go up by the U, you know, we live in the south end of the Salt Lake Valley every day. And that that was just this weird thing in general. But he loved it. Oh, my gosh. He loved Pingree so much. Oh, yeah. Loved the bus. He loved like, the again, bus. it's just so weird putting your toddler yeah. on a full-size school bus. You know? Our four-year-old now, our four-year-old daughter, she's like, why am I neurotypical? I want to have autism. <laughs> yeah, she she's like, she thinks it's cool. Yeah, like he, all, all the stuff that comes gets, along with yeah, it. Yeah, he gets to do a lot of fun stuff. So anyway, he started in uh, the public school system in February, and so for the last you know four months of kindergarten, he was in public school, and oh my goodness, what a range of emotions. So um, you know, they did some testing, and he get, he got an IEP, and if you don't know what an IEP is. Bless you. We didn't know what an IEP was either until the last year. Our two our two biological daughters are 17 and 19, and we had not dealt with this. In fact, I'm trying to think if I even really knew the principal's names at their elementary schools, you know, and now it's like, oh, yeah, we're in there all the time. We could be put on staff, you yeah, know, we, yeah. <laughs> because we're in there so much. But what happened was we, we quickly, quickly realized 
um, just the need for for true inclusion, the need for change. And we are living in a world where everyone is pushing for inclusion in every area. And that is, we believe, going to work in our favor over the next several years for inclusion for kids with special needs. Yeah. And I mean, really, so Asher is high functioning, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's for someone like him, it's looked at as like a invisible disability. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which, you know, I have thought about this so many times, Brandon, I don't know if you have. Would it be easier as a parent if your child's disability was very visible, you know, like Down syndrome or spina bifida or one of these where everyone around them knew? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, and I think there's honestly more of an acceptance from mm-hmm. people in public because yeah. they can clearly see right where, you know, and well, we went to autist- Hawaii a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, you know, those people sitting behind us, <laughs> yeah, they couldn't even make eye contact with us by the end of the flight. And I wore the autism T-shirt, just like whatever I yeah. could do. And Asher wasn't being bad, but he was singing really, really loud yeah, for six happy. hours. He's the happy one. He just was singing. Yeah. So, But I mean... Yeah. I mean, supermarkets, like throwing fits. Like I now so many times, like, because I like to people watch, Mm -hmm. you know, but like look at situations and I'm thinking that that kid might be autistic, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why they're acting out and acting Mm -hmm. the way they are. So, um, but not showing. judgment has been eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and again, it's, it's tough for, and I think even, you know, not even not only adults mm-hmm. you know but like teenagers kids like i think it's tough when a kid is acting differently yeah and again there's no visual signs yeah of, it's of, like what is wrong why? with this kid yeah you know? so so you're judgy as i mean as adults we can be judgy and and other little kids they, they can be judgy but they're also so open-minded at a young age so what we immediately started doing with the school was just inserting ourselves into the into the programs there. And um, a friend of mine that I've met kind of through this parent advocacy, um, she's she runs nothing down about it, that Instagram account. We're going to have her on definitely over in the next couple of weeks. She has been a huge advocate for her child who has Down syndrome. And, you know, I asked her a while ago, how did you even know to fight for something different? You know, how did you know to do that? And And she was amazing because as a parent, oh, my gosh, it is so intimidating. So you go, you know, you go into these meetings and they're like, here's what we want to do for your kid. And, and you feel like they know everything and I'm just the mom, you know, but you start recognizing, OK, that's that's not true. I mean, they know a lot and, and they know so much that we don't know, but we know our kid. Yes. You know, so so Asher started and he'd been there about four weeks and the, the discussion started. We're going to move him to a cluster class. We're going to move him to a different school. What were your thoughts on that? Well, and even, I mean, jumping back to that very first meeting of getting him going Mm -hmm. and basically from, you know, what they saw and what they wanted to do, he was going to have speech therapy. 30 minutes a week of speech therapy. And and nothing else. Nothing else. We both walked out like, oh, good luck. I mean, maybe this will be a success. I mean, coming from such a structured program. um, But again, you go into these meetings we don't know. We like, don't know. are we supposed to like in that? You just kind of like nod your head, and I mean, we walked out and we're like, "This isn't going to work." Mm-hmm. But, but but least restrictive environment, you know, you have to try. Yes. So, but yeah, when 
and again, Asher loved Pingree mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Teachers come out. How was his day? Oh, he had an amazing day. Mm-hmm. We were getting had a rough day. Another rough day. Two, every day. Over 200 redirects, you know, mm-hmm. which okay. it's just tough when it's your kid and almost like they're a disruption to the classroom. Yeah. Um, well, we, well, we went from, you know, his therapist to Pinkery, like, oh, he he is so bright. He's so he just needs the social stuff. This could be the difference between him being the next Elon Musk or Anthony Hopkins to just being like a real social weirdo living in your house forever and not thriving. And so to go from that where it's like they see so much potential to the public school where it's like we really got the impression this this kid's a problem. Yeah, we can't sustain this. We're going to yeah. move him to, you know, a cluster classroom, mm-hmm. which is a, you know, wouldn't be at his home school, yeah. which is, I mean, what we wanted. Mm-hmm. There are kids in our neighborhood that are his same age mm-hmm. that, you know, that he knows. And obviously we want peer relationships right, with right. as he grows. Um, but these cluster classes are, you know, a classroom at a, a school. And a separate I, school. I, separate school. And I know they serve purposes but it for does what, serve a purpose yes yeah. for mm-hmm. what asher needed mm-hmm. he needed pure modeling yeah from neurotypical kids yeah peers that's why <laughs> pinger is like he needs we need to transition yeah. him so my thought was like this isn't going to benefit him to have him go into a classroom with you know children that are you know all levels of you know the spectrum mm-hmm. to where we have therapists that have diagnosed him saying this is what he needs. Yeah. He needs peer influence. Yeah. So, you know, we, so we've learned a lot. Yes. And, you know, and growth, we talk all the time. Growth is never fun. No. I mean, when you're growing, you know, or even like think about when you're working out trying to build muscles like you're, you know, you're sore and the muscles hurt. And and then months later, you're like, oh, I look so good now. <laughs> you know? well, yeah, I started up at it again yesterday. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to do this every day. And then did I this morning, the alarm went off and I turned it off. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I got to, I got Debbie's podcast day. I can't wait. You know, you come up with these excuses. <laughs> but I think that during these last several months of of intense learning and I look back and I look back at the school year and the you know the few months and and I we we actually really love the team at his school and we're learning a lot together and we what we hope for is a collaborative environment over the next 6 years while he's hopefully at that school and and there are going to be times when it's uncomfortable and it's not easy but we obviously feel like there's a greater purpose here and and our goal, our ultimate goal is true inclusion in society. And yeah. it's it's going to be baby steps along the way. So so celebrating the spectrum, we are going to join you weekly. And we're going to talk to all kinds of people. <laughs> and when, when Asher moved into the public school system, I just started calling everyone that would have a conversation with me. And it was like, oh, um, yeah, one of my friends said, oh, a lady in my neighborhood, her cousin's daughter is autistic. Oh, my, you know. And so I started making those calls. I send a text. Hey, you know, I'm a friend of so-and-so. Would you have 10 minutes to talk to me? You know, and and people did. And it's just it is incredible to hear all these different perspectives and what they wish would have been available when their kids were younger or what they're seeing has been really successful for their now adult autistic children now. And so that's that's what we want to delve into. The other thing that we have noticed, because we've actually listened to a lot of podcasts now on autism, and I think that we like most of them. 
Some, yes. of, some of them we love. Yes, you know, absolutely. What we have realized was sort of a common denominator with those podcasts is most of those people who have those podcasts with autism want you to do business with them. They want you to, you know, have them be the life coach or stuff like that, where it was really important to us to not come in with that angle. You know, we're just we're just mom and dad. whose kid is autistic and we're just trying to work our way through this and some days are amazing and some days are really hard and some resources out there we found need a complete overhaul and some of them are just like we cannot believe that we are so lucky to be part of this community and so for for the podcast we want this to be a place where you find some inspiration you find some hope and the hope is probably like top on my list yeah and you find information about resources that are available to you and you find a greater understanding for the autistic people in your life or the families who have an autistic person in their family. Because, as you know, and we've been we joke because we were at the movie theater uh, one afternoon and we went up to the window we're like, hey, two tickets for such and such. And the kid working was like. And we said, is that sold out? I was like, no, there are 45 C's, blah, 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 blah. And we looked at each other like, oh, for sure, autistic. And and we walked away thinking, okay, you know, Asher may work at the movie theater one day. He may be a surgeon one day. And either way is absolutely fine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you no, know. I walked away from that just like, that is awesome. It is. Like, like I yeah. smiled. Yes. Just total feel good. So. Yeah. And the other thing is we have those moments in our life where like we feel like our purpose has never been clearer. And that's how we've started to feel about this journey of inclusion and and parent advocacy and and the podcast. It feels like this is bigger than us. And um, it's our it's our calling to to carry this forward right now. Yeah. And it just again, what I talked about off the top, just the real, you know, reaffirmation of Asher, like why we were led to foster care, Mm -hmm. why, you know, Asher situation why we were the family called You're right you know mm-hmm. when he was taken into custody it all makes sense and yeah. we were the funny thing about that is we were heartbroken at we that were he- point I just we, were say, we were healing because right. you know our first placement um he was with us for three months three months mm-hmm. and i'm sorry you can't help but get attached oh, to a baby man. like it's 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 almost impossible not to um now the child ended up with family, and mm-hmm. that's that's the goal. Yeah, that's but the it goal. didn't it didn't make it any less painful for <laughs> yeah, us. Exactly, um, it was really hard. But you know, we were like, we need to. And and really, the the system, the foster system, they're good. They're like, if you guys need to take a break, mm-hmm. like we'll take your name off the list. Right. We won't call you because it's real. Like mm-hmm. the emotions are real. Yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, Debbie calling me, mm-hmm. and I was sitting in the parking lot of a store getting ready to walk in, and. You know, Debbie called me and told me the, you know, you you know, the DCFS just called me. They've got a child they just took into custody. Mm-hmm. He was abandoned, you know, mm-hmm. to a homeless shelter. He's in really rough shape. Um, and, I mean, in my mind, I'm just racing like, oh, my goodness, can we do this again yeah. so soon? Because yeah, it right. was, I mean, a, a week? I mean, two I don't know. It wasn't very long. Yeah, it was it's all blur immediate. now. Yeah. But I remember my my – what I said to you, and I love that you loved it because you repeat it, but basically is like, <laughs> well, I guess we better help the little guy out. Yeah. And by helping yeah. that little guy out mm-hmm. has changed us forever. Yeah, it's changed the course of our life. Yeah, for the better. Yeah. Yeah, which is it's really incredible. So our goal every week will never be to talk you into doing business with us. 
<laughs> we just want to be a place of hope, information, resources, and ultimately, we want a life of inclusion for the neurodiverse members of our community. And we're going to start it right here every week. And we're going to have fun. And go ahead. No, I was just going to no. say, like, this is a the beginning of a incredible journey that obviously some of the stuff that we're going to you know talk about try to make change mm-hmm. here where we live right it may not benefit asher mm-hmm. but it's going to benefit other children for generations yeah, like we are really hoping to make a difference because those people that helped asher made a difference in our life yeah. and there's still a lot more work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And again, I, Asher is going to benefit from this, but there is going to be our hope mm-hmm. is countless children, not here even locally, yeah. but nationally, internationally, yeah. by hopefully what we're able to bring mm-hmm. that will have a, a lasting impact. Thank you. That was beautifully, beautifully said, Brandon. All right. And we hope you'll join us every week as we celebrate the spectrum. And Celebrating the Spectrum is a KSL podcast.